The message title today is Small Step, Next Step. Small Step, Next Step. I would take some confidence in saying this, that a lot of us would love to see some aspects of our life be influenced and changed and be a little different by the end of this year. I've seen on social media and a couple memes of people saying, especially with the recent stressful stuff again that's been going on with COVID and all that, whatever, but people have been talking about, well, it looks like 2022 is going to be 2022, T-O-O. And I was like, don't speak that over my year, all right? We're not walking into that again. We're approaching this year differently. We're realizing that we don't have to react to everything. We can take a deep breath and respond. Uh, Because we know that we're not in this alone. We're not trying to work this out by ourselves. We have a life-giving community around us, and we have a God who has never lost a battle on our side as well. And what I love about small step, next step, is I would be confident to tell you, to encourage you here in person and online, that whatever you want to see happen in 2022, you may have a big goal, a big vision, a big dream. And you may not necessarily know how it's going to unfold. You may not know step 98, 99, and 100. But I promise you, you probably know what step one is. Whether it's to take that step of faith or to take that step of forgiveness and reconciliation and healing or to take that step into being consistent again in something or into a newer job or new situation or whatever it may be, you'll probably know what step one is. And if you don't, by the end of the message, I promise you, you will. But the encouragement today is that God is not in a hurry. God is not in a rush. He understands that small steps, next steps is how it happens. I believe sometimes we over-exaggerate the extravagant, but we underappreciate the simple and consistent, right? Like, oh, it's, if it's extravagant, that's, oh, that's what I'm waiting for, the big thing. But a lot of times, that isn't as big a payoff as we thought, or it doesn't happen exactly how we expected. And we can begin to underappreciate what it simply means to take that simple next step, that small step forward, and to simply be consistently doing that one step after the other. You see, the thing is, if we take one step forward every day this year, you're 365 steps farther than you were today. And it's clear, and we can be patient, and we can trust that God is leading and guiding us. See, I love the power of the imagination, right? I've been thinking a lot about the imagination and how it comes from the root word of image, right? To picture an image in our mind. Like if we were to close our eyes for a second and just to picture an image of where you're excited to go to lunch after service today. You can't wait. It'll bring some excitement to you today during the message. Or we can be in a stressful situation. Maybe we were in a stressful Christmas situation with family that drives us crazy and we just took a moment and closed our eyes and we were away in our own home or on vacation somewhere, away from our dysfunctional relatives, right? Or when you're at the mundane nine to five job and you can close your eyes and imagine an image of somewhere else where you'd rather be on a beach or or traveling across the world. I remember I'd always do that in school, right? Try to imagine, not stare at the clock because it would just drip by, but to imagine something new, something different. Well, I would encourage you today as we're talking this morning is to close your eyes and imagine where you could be. Imagine what God could do. Because I'll tell you, as I've learned in the 33, 34 years of my life following Jesus, God's never let me down. And God always knew better than I did. And when I trusted him with the little things, not only did I get more than I could imagine, 
I got more than I could even dream of because God's dreams are better than my dreams for my life. So today's about the small step, the next step. And let's lean into what God's gonna share with us today. I wanna read you this passage of scripture we'll be referencing. It'll be on the screen and on your card. It says this in Luke chapter two, uh, starting in verse 41, it says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Here's the big verse for today. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. I want you to hold on to that statement today and write this down for me as we pray. The 2022 question for you and for us as a church is what are you doing today to be better tomorrow? I believe a lot of us waste a lot of today's energy on tomorrow's problems. I believe a lot of us waste today's potential on tomorrow's worries that haven't even come about yet, and usually they don't come about. So my encouragement to you today is to ask yourself every single day for 2022, what am I doing today to be a a better tomorrow? That's the choice God's given us. And as we see, Jesus lived this way. And I always say, if Jesus did it, it's probably a good idea that you and I do it as well. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I'm so thankful that today is a new beginning. It's a fresh start. It's a new year. So we give today to you. And we ask ourselves that question, even right now, what can we do today, Sunday, January 2nd at 10.33 a.m.? What can we do today to be better tomorrow? God, we open our hearts, we listen, and we lean in. I pray a special blessing over everybody here, all our incredible kids next door in local city kids. Bless our kids team as well for helping our next generation fall in love with Jesus. And Father, we're thankful that we get to be here today. We're thankful that again today is new and fresh. You're excited as well. As scripture says, your mercies are new every morning. So God, today there is new opportunity and potential and life available for me and everyone here in this room. So we give you these moments as we listen and lean in to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Give me one good amen one more time and let's jump right into it today. It's funny, when you encounter problems, um, it's always really important maybe to go to someone who knows a lot better than you. And I remember in our, when we were in our house and within the first year or so, we had an issue with some bugs in our kitchen. I don't like bugs. I don't know if you do like bugs, but that's weird if you do, uh, but I don't like bugs. Uh, my son does, but he's three, so he has an excuse. Um, but I'm not a big bug guy. Like, if I see a roach, I have to kill it or I cannot go to sleep because I'm afraid it's going to, you know, crawl on me when I'm sleeping or whatever, right? And, and when I see a bug, I have to kill it. I have to make sure I take care of it. 
Well, around, in about a first, the first year we were living in our home, uh, we had these like little tiny beetles. They looked like ladybugs. I'd never seen them before, but they were like all over our kitchen. And I kept trying to kill them. I kept trying to spray them down. I kept getting like little, little traps and, and all those things, and they kept showing up, right? You ever have that bug that just keeps showing up? It's like the groundhog in Caddyshack. Have you ever seen that movie, right? You just like can't take care of it. It seems to keep coming back, and you're just like, why won't you die, all right? And I, that's, you get a little insight into how my mind works. And uh, now, when we moved into our house, I got a recommendation of a guy to come in and take care of the bugs in our house. In my phone, he's literally named under his contact, Dave Bug Guy, because I don't know his last name, but I know his name is Dave, and I know it's Bug Guy. Uh, so I usually call him if I'm facing an issue, and I called him, and I said, uh, Dave, I need some help. Uh, I got these beetles in my kitchen. They're little tiny. I cannot get rid of them. They keep showing up. And he said, send me a picture. And immediately, I sent him a picture, and he, like, responded right away, knowing what it was. Which, first, I was like, man, you have a really deep knowledge of bugs. Um, but second, because it wasn't enough time to, like, Google this bug or anything, but he said, oh, that's a specific type of beetle that can sometime, sometimes live in, like, a box of rice or a bag of pasta. Yeah, it'll make you check your groceries uh, more in your life. But he said, you probably bought, like, a box that had a little bit of an infestation in it, and you got to make sure you get rid of that box. And sure enough, opened the pantry, looked through, there was a little box of rice, a little hole bitten out of it, and they were all up in there. And so I threw that, I threw that box out. Luckily, it was not a box of rice that we had used. It was still sealed. Um, and I threw that box of rice out, and they were gone because I was trying to deal with these little issues that kept popping up, but I, ref- I couldn't realize I needed to deal with the source, Right? And I needed someone to tell me, hey, you can keep killing these things every single day, but until you remove the source of where they're coming from, you're going to be dealing with this problem every day of your life in your new house. And I would encourage you today that that's really what God wants to do in our life. A lot of times, the problems and stresses and worries we're praying for are that little tiny beetle in the kitchen that, yeah, you can step on it, you can spray it down, you can kill it. But if you don't deal with the source, it's just going to come back. If you don't, if you don't say, hey, God, uh, here's what I'm dealing with. What do I need to do? You're never going to truly be free. We're never going to be truly in a place where we can rebuild our foundations and build our source of, source of strength into who God is. Every year I try and give our church a theme. And as I talk about some things we'll be doing this year, the theme that I've really settled on is seeking him first. Seeking God first, no matter what. You're going to write that down in your notes somewhere. It's not on there, but you should write it down. Seeking him first. What am I going to do in 2022 to seek God first? I'm not going to seek relational things first. I'm not going to seek news first. I'm not going to seek social media influence or presence or success or whatever. I'm just going to seek God first and see what happens. You see, what I love about this story in Luke chapter 2, not only is it kind of partnered together with some of the beautiful Christmas passages that we read last month, but it also shows us just who Jesus was even at a young age. Now, as I've been studying about Luke chapter 2, you begin to realize that we don't really know much about Jesus. We hear his birth story. We hear when he's a toddler in the wise men visit. We hear this story when he's 12. And then just like that, after Luke 2, 52, Jesus is 30, getting his ministry started. 
Now, I remember what my life was like in my teens and early 20s. And I'm like, yeah, I wish I could have just gone like that and fast forwarded through it all. But what we see in this little passage of Scripture is how Jesus grew, how he approached life. In Luke 2.52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. I want you to circle those two words. I think I bolded them for you, but circle them as well. Jesus grew. See, sometimes we approach Jesus as like, yeah, he was born as a baby, but in his mind, he was fully adult man and God. That's just not true at all. Like nothing in scripture tells us that. But what scripture does tell us, and scholars have kind of really delved into proving more of this, is that at every age you see Jesus talked about in the gospels, he is the most self-aware of who he is and the most self-aware of what's possible with his life. As we see in this passage, he's 12 years old. And he's sitting around religious experts asking them questions to seek understanding. And the questions he's asking them are astonishing them with his level of insight and and understanding of what God was saying and what God was doing and what God wants for humanity. See, he was self-aware that even at 12, he could have a deep understanding of who God was. He could be teachable and learn from those who had gone before him. It says at 12 years old, he was obedient to his parents. All the parents out there, can I get a good amen, all right? My son is three and a half right now, and I just don't know what's ingrained in our kids, but when you ask them to do something, I don't know where they learn to do the exact opposite, but it's in there. And then I look at adults, and we do the same thing, and I'm like, oh, well, we never really grow out of it, right? And Jesus grew from a young age in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and and all the people. This year, here's what I want. Again, you have, I gave you a question. I want to give you a statement for 2022. This year, I need to do whatever it takes to grow. I'm just going to encourage you. You need to do whatever it takes to grow. Sometimes that's going to be easy and it's going to feel good. Sometimes it's going to feel terrible. As I'm going to talk about, I have some physical goals that I want to accomplish. And, and one of them is to make sure I, I've just kind of grown in this kind of simple approach to going to the gym, and I want to get more, you know, I want to go after it, right? I want to get out there and really throw some weight around, and when I get done with my hour at the gym, make it look like I didn't just waste an hour, right? So there are some guys here from the church that know way more than I do, and I asked one of them, hey, what time you go to the gym? And he said, five. I was like, oh, that's great. At the end of the workday, awesome. He said, he said, no, no, 5 a.m. I said, what? The, the gym's open at 5 a.m.? Like, I knew they were 24 hours, but I didn't really think anyone was going. He's like, no, man, I go at 5 a.m. And I was like, all right, man, how about 5.30? He's like, all right, I think I can do that. So uh, first time, of course, I woke up at like 5.20, and I'm like, hey, man, I'll be a few minutes late, you know, and I, but I've knocked it out a couple times, been there at 5.30. Here's the thing about waking up at 5, between 5 and 5.15 a.m. There is never a morning where I'm like, Yeah! Woo! 5.10, out before the sun. Woo! I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't like this. But I do promise you, after I go to the gym for an hour and I get a start to my day, when it's like 9 or 10 o'clock, I'm like, whoa, this is a good day. I'm being productive. We're knocking some things out today. See, you can only get to that when you make the decision in the beginning to do whatever it takes to grow. And some of this won't be easy, but I promise you it is worth the payoff, it is worth what God is going to do. It's worth the difference that you're going to see in your life. See, what, what I love about Jesus is, is he does whatever it takes to grow and learn and listen. 
And we can actually give, you know, in this story, it's funny, Mary and Joseph literally lose Jesus. Now for us, it's, you know, it's okay sometimes we feel like Jesus is, you know, far away because we can't see him. There's no tangibility necessarily to see Jesus in person. But Mary and Joseph, they had their 12-year-old son, and it says they just left him. You ever left your kid somewhere? I've never left my kid, but I was a youth pastor for a long time. I left some youth, I left some kids at Disney a couple times, and uh, luckily they didn't fire me. But I've been there, and it's kind of stressful. I can only imagine if it's your own kid, and if that kid is the son of God, you're probably a little bit more stressed than just your normal everyday parent, right? And they lose him. But we got to give Mary and Joseph some credit, because what we also see in Scripture is that it is, Jesus began to become aware of who he is. Because again, scholars believe that through these first 12 years of his life, Mary and Joseph were teaching him about what the calling on his life was. Because don't forget, an angel visited Mary and Joseph to tell them that this would be the Savior. You're going to call him Jesus. And people will call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And parents, this is really important for us to realize that we need to tell our kids who God says they are. We need to pour into them saying, hey, this is what God said about your life. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. That before, I knit, before God knit you in the womb, he had purpose for your life. That he has a purpose and a plan that gives you hopes and dreams and a bright future for who you are. I believe Mary and Joseph were pouring this into Jesus. And Jesus began to realize, yes, this is who I am. I'm called to something higher. I'm called to something greater. And it makes us realize that, okay, So Jesus was fully God, but also fully man. And the understanding that he began to learn about who he was, to grab a hold of his identity, to trust who his parents were telling him he was, and he did whatever it takes to grow. I love that in this moment, you know, Mary and Joseph and a lot of their family, they traveled for the Passover feast, which means they were celebrating when God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and, and brought them from slavery to freedom. And it was just a thing they would do. But Jesus realized this was an opportunity for him at 12 years old to learn and begin to understand more of what was happening in his life and more of who he was becoming. And it says that Jesus stayed behind. I love that. We see that with another amazing person in the Bible by the name of Joshua. It was said that Moses would go and meet with God to get the word from the Lord and the direction he was supposed to take the Israelites. But Joshua would stay behind in the presence of the Lord to receive as much as he could. Can I encourage you today that some of us need to realize that we need to just stay planted in God's house, stay planted in what God is doing, and he's going to begin to pour out blessing. He's going to begin to help nourish us and flourish in our life. But what happens is we keep ripping the roots out every time God gets a good foothold in our life to help us grow. And sometimes what we need to do to grow is simply stay behind and trust God that what he said and trust maybe what our church community is doing together and just stay and ride it out and see what God does to remain faithful, to do whatever it takes to grow. Jesus is also teachable. He's sitting around the religious leaders asking questions. What I love about this is it doesn't say that there was a big crowd asking questions. It said there was a big crowd watching Jesus ask the religious leaders questions. Everybody else had access to ask these leaders questions. Everybody else had the same opportunity to learn more about who God was. But it was a 12-year-old kid who realized that he was growing, that he had a calling on his life, that he could learn about something, that he could find out more about God, and he simply was asking questions to learn and understand. And he took advantage of the opportunity everyone else had neglected. He took advantage of what had become customary and routine for other people just to 
go to Jerusalem, do the Passover thing, and leave. Jesus said, you know what? There's a chance that I can learn more about God in this moment. There's a chance where I can take hold of who God is in my life and realize who he has called me to be. So I'm going to stay behind. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to learn. I'm going to receive. I'm not going to waste a moment of my life. Come on, if Jesus can do it at 12 years old, we can do it in our life. Do whatever it takes to grow. And then again, I love what he says. Mary and Joseph say, hey, you stressing us out, Jesus? What are you doing to us? And he says, and my says, where have you been? Why have you done this and us searching for you? And I believe Jesus' answer is for you and I today. He says, don't you know I would be in my father's house? Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? When Mary and Joseph hear that, You've told me my whole life, I'm the son of God, I have a calling in my life. Isn't this where I'm supposed to be? Local City Church, I want to tell you today, whether you're here in person or watching online, you don't have to wonder where you're going to find God. You don't have to be so stressed out searching, oh, where is God in my life? He's right here. Every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, he's right here with us, believing that he can move in our life and do something great for you and for your family and for your friends and for your purpose that he's given you. He is right here. You do not have to search for him. Jesus is here, and he's about his father's business. What is God's business? It is healing and restoring and forgiving and setting free and bringing people back into the family. That is what God's plan and business for you is. It's not about doing the right things. It's not about following some sort of religious code. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to be in my father's house and I'm going to find purpose and freedom and healing and restoration and know that Jesus is helping me through these things. So what I want you to see today is that Jesus grew, but he grew in four specific areas. And this is a practice that I try and do every year. We see that Jesus grew in four specific areas. There's a little box on your notes on the back of it that I want you to pay attention to. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. If you do me a favor, I want you to write some things down in this box. Under wisdom, I want you to write intellectually. Under stature, I want you to write physically. Under favor with God, I want you to write spiritually. And under favor with people, I want you to write relationally. See, some of us, we want to grow this year. We want to do something better today to get better tomorrow, but we don't have a plan. It's the old idiom, right? If you, if you fail to plan, plan to fail, right? And this idea is that we have to begin to construct a plan of how we're going to approach this year. We need to begin to write down some goals that we have that we want to see happen. And I'm going to hit these four boxes for you really quick, and I left space for you to fill them in, or you can copy it in your journal, or whatever you use to kind of track how you're doing. But again, if Jesus did it, we should probably do it as well. And so Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. That's the last thing that's said about Jesus until he shows up on the scene and is baptized at 30 years old by John the Baptist. So if Jesus did this and made a plan, we should as well. So the first thing is wisdom, intellectually. My question for you is what could you learn this year that can make a big difference in your life? Maybe we have a commitment to read a little bit more or just to read in general. Like I would tell you, hey, why don't you commit to read a book a month? But some of us are like, whoa, settle down. 
Okay, why don't you commit to maybe read a book this year about some leadership principles or your faith or something that's going to add value to you, something that builds your intellect and breathes life into who you are, something that you can learn that will help you begin to understand who you are and what you were created to do and why you're here. What is something that you could learn that would change the game in your life? Some of us, it might be just something practical. We want to learn how to do a practical thing. We want to learn how to cook. We'll learn how to, I don't know, do something. I was about to say ride a bike, but maybe if you've never done that, maybe this is your year to intellectually learn how to ride a bike, right? But that's, that's, if we have a plan and write it down, then it's a commitment that we can make. And I believe Jesus committed to grow in wisdom. That's why he was sitting and asking the religious leaders questions. What can I learn right now that I can hold on to? What can I learn that is going to guide me through situations and problems? What can I learn right now that may not solve any issues currently, but down the road it's going to solve the answers that I'm looking for? It's going to solve the problems that I'm dealing with. What can I learn this year? What can I learn to become better? Maybe for some of us it's learning how to be better with our time. Woo, there it is. Learning how to be better with our calendar to realize that you are actually more in charge of your time and schedule than you let people believe, that you actually can begin to designate out time and say no to some things and begin to work on things in a timely manner. Listen, I was a big procrastinator as a kid. I would always put things off to, my, to, my, to the last minute, and my mom would always say, well, when was this assigned? When was this thousand-word essay assigned? Yesterday? Uh, no beginning of the semester. It's the last day of semester. You're writing it now. Yeah. See, some of us, we can learn time management, right? We can learn financial practices that help put us in a better place. As a church, we offer financial peace resources for free because we know that leads to a lot of stress in your life. What can you learn that will bring some freedom into your life? The second one is stature. Physically. It's important to have physical goals in our life, to get healthy, to get healthy in, the, in what we eat and in the practices of recreation that we have, to get out and move and do something. Physical health is really important. For me, I write this down every year, I just want to get better at sleeping. Like, that's a good thing to get better at. I want to sleep more. Now I'm, I'm getting older, I'm like, I need to have a bedtime. I can't, I can't like let it be fluid and like, you know, binge watch a couple more episodes. If it's bedtime, it's bedtime, all right? And maybe I need to have a wake-up time. I need to make sure I set my alarm every day, right? What is that physical thing you can do? See, Jesus, he began to learn. Now, he was about God's business overall, but when he was growing up and walking through his teenage years and and young adulthood, he was learning how to be a carpenter from his father's trade of Joseph. Like, he was learning the house trade. So physically, he was learning how to do things. Physically, he was being active with his life. Maybe you want to climb a certain mountain or run a 5K or do something. Put it down. Make it happen. Third thing is favor with God. This is a big one. I'm going to spend a little bit of a few minutes on this one. Favor with God. Where can I grow spiritually? You'll hear me say this a lot as we start a big thing that we do every, every year here at Local City is that if 2020, 2022 could be the best year of your life, I promise you that. But it'll be the best year of your life if it's your best year spiritually. Because your spirit affects everything. When your spirit's healthy, relationships seem a little easier. When your spirit's healthy, waking up and going to a job that you hate seems a little easier. When your spirit's healthy, you're not comparing yourself to other people as much. When your spirit's healthy, 
anxiety and depression have less of a loud voice in your life. When your spirit's healthy, you begin to understand that it's only God that I need. He is the God who's on my side, who's never lost a battle, who is truly good, who is helping me grow. When my spirit's healthy, it's the foundation that cannot be broken. So what are their goals spiritually? Maybe some of us, we need to commit to what we call our My 15 again, where every 15, the first 15 minutes of our day are given to God. Five minutes of prayer, five minutes in God's word, five minutes of worship. I promise you, you do that every day this week, come back next Sunday, and I promise you, you'll say, Ryan, you were right. And I'll say, I know, I know, because it's not about a practice, it's about spending time filling your spirit up. And again, you may not necessarily feel anything miraculous in those 15 minutes, but when that coworker's getting on your nerves and you don't lash out, but you are at peace, you'll feel it then. You may not feel anything breakthrough in that moment in the morning, but when you're feeling that relational strife and unforgiveness or that anxiety and stress come back in and you're able to take a deep breath and realize, whoa, God's with me. If God's with me, who can be against me? I mean, God God loves me. When when I was a sinner, he gave his life. Oh, man, I just could breathe all that in. When I was a sinner, he gave new life to me. He died for me. I could breathe all that in. It'll come later in the day. You gotta commit back to that. Maybe some of us, just like Jesus said, need to be in our Father's house a little bit more consistent. Now, I hear people say, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. That's definitely true. Only surrendering to Jesus and trusting Him with your life makes you a Christian. (laughs) But life makes a lot more sense. And you feel a lot more encouraged, and you feel a lot more like you can approach Mondays when Sundays is on the calendar and not just when it's convenient. When Sundays is a commitment, not just when, oh, you know, I I guess I got nothing to do. Now, I'm not saying anything that, again, that's because we have to do this. It is a get-to. But I talk to a lot of people who I ask them, how you doing? How's your relationship with the Lord? Yeah. Have you been going to church? Yeah. Okay, well, let's start there. Spiritually. This is where your spirit gets fed together. This is where we grow together. This is where we experience God together. If 2020 showed us anything, it was that we cannot survive too long not being in a big room, worshiping God together with our hearts open and our hands raised together, feeling the energy of each other, but feeling the power of God together. It doesn't happen through a screen. We love you, church online, but come on and be with us today because there's power in this room. There's miracles in this room. We're making it a little easier next week. Service time changes to 10.30, give you a little rest so you're ready to come in and ready to go. But spiritually, find something that you can commit to. And the last one is relationally. Favor with God, favor with people. Maybe this year is the year you finally forgive that person in your life. Maybe this year is that year you finally surrender that search for the significant other in your life that you've been chasing after. And God said, hey, if you just be content with me, I'll give you all the relationships that you want. Well, not all that you want. I'll give you the one healthy one that you need. I'll help you be healthier with your family, your friends, and, and your romantic life as well. But first, you've got to just say, you know what? I'm just going to surrender everything else. Maybe this is the year you reach out to that friend you haven't talked to in forever because that argument you had. Maybe it's, this is the year you initiate that text to your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister to realize, hey, you know what? I we can't be broken as a family anymore. See, forgiveness is one of the most powerful things we can do. And maybe we need to commit to relationally forgive and heal and be restored this year. Because those things just don't go away. 
And it's the whole thing, time heals all. Not really until we actually make the step relationally to let those things happen. See, Jesus grew in these four areas. And what we're going to do over the next season here of our church is next week we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Where we have a fr- the whole series of talks is called a fresh start. Turn to the person next to you tell them, hey, I need a fresh start. Hey, I need a fresh start. And we believe that one of the best things we can do in the new year is to pray and fast. So it means we're going to commit to prayer. We're going to commit to our My 15. We're going to commit to Sundays. We're going to commit to praying and seeking God. We're going to give you all the resources you need. We're going to give you the practice that, practices that we follow and that I follow to make sure these things are habits in our life, not just a resolution. They're habits that change our life and re-guide and redirect our life. And we're also going to fast. We're going to turn down the volume of some things in our life. We're going to take a break. Maybe it, it will be something that's dietary where you take a break from coffee or eating, you know, lunch so you can spend time with the Lord. I'll talk more about that next week. You fast from social media or you fast from something. My, my encouragement is I'll never tell you what to fast, but I will tell you, hey, ask God if you should fast. And if he says you should, which more than likely he will, uh, say yes and then ask him, what do you want me to fast? What's taking a hold in my life, God? What's taking a hold of me in an unhealthy way? get away from that. And we're going to be praying as a church every Sunday morning. We do this every Sunday, but during the 21 days as well, we're going to invite you into it. Every Sunday at 9 a.m., we have prayer right here, pre-service prayer right here. And man, we fill up the room with the power of God. So we know people are walking in to experience God and we just set the stage for them. And then Wednesdays at seven o'clock in the morning, the, the church across the street has graciously allowed us to use their space. So not this Wednesday, so don't show up unless you really feel led. You'll be the only, you might be the only one there. Uh, but next Wednesday, after January 9th, we're gonna be doing some Wednesday morning prayer. And I would encourage you, if you're feeling like you have a new level in your faith you wanna go to, it's not gonna happen by accident. It's not gonna happen by not taking steps to grow and do something today to be better tomorrow, all right? So I wanna encourage you to be here next Sunday. Let's fast, pray, and seek God first together. Let's make this our best year spiritually, first and foremost, because it affects everything else. Can I get a good amen? You're going to believe that for this year. Commit to that with me. All right, we're there. We're getting there. As the band joins me, I want to give you the last three things to think about today. The first thing is what you do daily establishes who you become permanently. Again, nothing happens by accident. What you do daily establishes who you become permanently. See, God wants you to permanently know that you're his son and daughter. God wants you to permanently know your purpose and find freedom. Next week, the way we help you find freedom and find purpose is we're starting growth track back up next week. It's step one. It happens right here in the auditorium after service. It's 25 minutes long. And we want to help you see that you can grow. We want to put you on the track to grow help you hear who we are as a church, and help you find your purpose and get to serving this year. Maybe you've been to Growth Track, you haven't started serving yet. Today's the day to reach out and say, hey, I'm ready to be scheduled to serve. Maybe next week is the day you put it on the calendar, I'm going to be at Growth Track next Sunday. Because what I do daily establishes who I become permanently. The second thing is breakthrough happens in a moment, but the buildup takes time. You're not, you may not experience the miraculous breakthrough tomorrow, but it could happen. Now it's just about building up. And that buildup takes time. One moment, one minute, one small decision, one small step at a time. And the third thing is, if you want to be taken seriously, I love this one, if you want to be taken seriously, be consistent. If I could give you one challenge, people like the one word for the year, so here I'll give it to you. (laughs) Consistent. 
Oh, it's not as, you know, it's not as flashy as courageous or breakthrough or, you know, whatever. I don't know, whatever your word you've already talked about. Maybe you picked one. That's okay. But I would just continue, I would, I would ask you to consider this consistent. What can you do consistently? What can you do simply and one step after the other? And if you want to be taken seriously, be consistent. Jesus was consistently who he was. He was always asking questions. He was the best leader because he was the best at asking questions that helped people realize who they were. He was consistently understanding that he was the son of God. He knew what his identity was. He knew the power that was on his side. I want to encourage you today. I want our church to be taken seriously, and I want you to be taken seriously within the community of our church. That only happens if we're consistent. It only happens if we make being in community a priority, being in the presence of God a priority and keeping it a consistent practice of our life. I was reading this quote from St. Francis of Assisi that I want to share with you really quick. It says this, start by doing what is necessary, then what is possible, and suddenly you are doing the impossible. That's what today is about. That's what this year is about. Would you stand to your feet as we close today? I was reading, as I was preparing for this message, I came across a story, I'm worrying in a second, and the worship team's going to close us out. And thanks for hanging with us, having a conversation today. But I wanted to share with you a story about uh, the statue of David. The, the statue of David is one of the most famous statues in all of history, in all the world. I mean, just look at that, it was carved. Now, what's interesting about the statue of David is that it took two years to carve, but what you may not know is that the block of marble that was used to carve David out of was deemed unusable, was deemed not good enough to be created to, into anything that would ever have value, that would ever matter. And when the artist stepped into these, op- these options that he could use to carve and create, he saw this piece, that's a perfect piece. And they said, no, no, that's the, that's the one has been sitting here for like, 40 years. It's old. And the artist who carved the statue of David is quoted as saying, well, the angel's in there. I just need to carve it out. I'm going to tell you today, the life that God created for you is in there. And you may think that you're unusable. You may think you're old. You may think you're passed over. But God looks at you. Jesus looks at you today and says, the son and daughter is in there. I just need to carve them out. And last time I checked, carving something isn't the most, you know, that felt good. (laughs) But it's worth it because it's going to carve you into who you really are. And we're going to close singing that God is the God who's never lost a battle and that he is going to be victorious for us. But as we close today, would you close your eyes with me? And here's where this all starts. Saying relationally and honestly, Jesus, I give you my life. And maybe you've never done that before. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe it's your first time in church in a while, or you've been coming for a little bit in this moment, and you've always wanted to take an action, but it just hasn't been there yet, but today's the day. You want to say, you know what, Ryan, something happened different today. It's whatever you spoke or the way worship kind of broke some things off of me. I want to say today is the day. I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. I'm going to give him my life for the first time. I'm going to recommit my life and surrender to him again. Today can be that day. So when I count to three, and if you would say, Ryan, I want to give Jesus my life relationally to know him and experience him. I want to cross the line of faith. Or maybe I want to rededicate my faith journey back to the Lord. It's not the only conversation you need to have, but today is the fresh start. 
start. Today is the new beginning. If you would say, Ryan, I want to give Jesus my life. I want to give my life to Jesus today. When I count to three, every head bowed, every eye closed, even if you're watching online today, when I count to three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. That's you today. I see your hand. I see yours. And I see yours. I'll count to three one more time. I see yours. One, two, three. Yes, come on. So good. So good. And the most important thing is that not only do I see your hand, God sees your hand. For the sake of all those who raise their hand to say yes to Jesus or recommit their life, would you repeat this after me? Say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I trust you. I love you. Forgive me and free me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, celebrate all those that raised their hand today.